0: And there's something very human and connecting when you break bread with someone and you share a meal with someone, whether it's celebrations, birthdays. Erica, happy (laughs) birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) So many stuff. We're in the season of birthdays. Amen. It's just birthdays everywhere, Carmen. Come on. Happy birthday. (laughs) So good. If I missed you, I'm sorry. There's like 20 of you. (laughs) uh, Anyways, but when we gather to celebrate birthdays or graduations or or babies and things like that, there's always meals involved. When we're doing life and connecting, there are meals involved. Involved and it's just very human. In fact, companion comes from a Latin word that means with bread. And so there's, uh, I think that's what it means. I know Joy is watching me and she actually is fluent in conversational Latin, which is unbelievable. Uh, but with bread is actually companion. And so there's something very human. But in America, what we're seeing is that less and less people are actually sharing meals with each other. You know, we're, it says, I was just reading some stats, it says like one in five Americans every, every week have one meal in their car alone. Less and less people are eating meals. When we think about when was the last time I had someone in my house and I shared a meal? Back in the day, it was often that we would eat meals as a family, breakfast, lunch. Dinner. You'd be sharing those meals, but as fast food has risen and became more convenient, more and more often, as Americans we are eating alone. And I, I think this is kind of scary because it's so human for us to connect. You know, uh, we had a Memorial Day barbecue this last Monday, Ooh. eating, hanging out, grilling with Will, eating food. People are bringing ice cream and drinks. We're eating. It's just so human. And I, I was reading some stats. Uh, about indicators for human flourishing and indicators that um, show that you are headed towards depression or suicidal thoughts. And uh, the research I found was that uh, children, for example, who are, let me I don't want to butcher this, but children who eat dinner with their parents five or more days a week have less trouble with drugs and alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts. There's actually been some research about people who are more likely to qualify for genius status. And the main indicator you can find for people to do well in schools is, are these children having meals with their family? Because more and more often, not even families are eating together. And I think that as Kalo's church, if we fail to eat with each other, we fail to tap into something very human. We fail to tap into something that is very Jesus-like, and we fail to tap into something that can cause human flourishing. And so today, I want to talk about, from the perspective of Jesus and neighboring, how we can use food to make a difference in our community. And I just think it's really important. And in fact, we're not, you know, sometimes we kind of hesitate to eat with one another or have people in our houses, you know, we're busy people, right? That, there's a reason fast food exists. Or we, I, I would have more people over at my house, and I would feed them if I had more time. Or how many of you guys are like, ah, I'm uh, my house is too small, or my apartment is too small. Like other people, they have way better places. They should do the feeding. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed of my place. It's too ugly, it's not as nice, it's too small. I don't have the time, I'm not a good cook. And we we very naturally put up resistance for doing something that's very human. And uh, we're not the first people to do that. In fact, the disciples in Mark 6 had a situation where they uh, were given the opportunity to feed people and really create community around Jesus. But their instinct was actually to send people away. And so let's turn to Mark 6 this morning. And I, I just want to read through this scripture, Mark six thirty-four 34 through uh, 44. And it says that Jesus saw... Uh, the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And Afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. This is a story about eating together, about miracles, about Jesus doing something really incredible. And this is actually one of the only miracles in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels that's accounted in each one of those Gospel stories. It's uh, also, people say, scholars would say, the biggest miracle as far as sheer size. There's 5,000 people listed in here. That's not counting women and children. So biblical scholars have estimated about 20 to 25,000 people were fed here in one moment. And so it's just really incredible. And so they were ministering. Jesus tries to get away from the crowds because they're tired. They find a remote place, and then suddenly crowds of people. And I love this fact that the scripture says. It says that Jesus had compassion on them. And as we're trying to be good neighbors, the first thing I really want to communicate from this scripture is this. Jesus did not see people as a burden. Jesus did not see people as a burden. The disciples, they saw all these people and they're like, oh my goodness, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough bread. We need to send the people away. But Jesus, it says he had compassion on them, that he wanted to give them a place to be. He wanted to create an environment where they could be fed. Jesus had compassion on them. You know, these disciples are so funny. And I, I just, I can relate to them so many times, but they're like, just got back from this ministry trip. They're wanting to rest. They're wanting to have a little R&R, a little peace and quiet. And so what do they do? They're like, oh, well, we don't want Jesus to think we're selfish. So uh we know Jesus loves people. So we're we're not gonna tell Jesus that we're hungry. We're gonna say, hey, the people don't have anything to eat. And so they, they walk up to Jesus and they're like, hey Jesus, um these people over here, they're really hungry. Not me, Jesus. I'm like, I got bread you know not of, but like <laughs> these people over here, they're really hungry. Jesus, what what should we do? And then Jesus says something that probably had to shock them when we're talking about, like, 20,000 people. He says, well, you feed them. You, you, Jesus, what? What? Come again? Like, you, you feed them. You, you give them something to eat. And they're they're talking to other disciples, like, all right, what did Jesus say? Uh, Well, I, I said send the people away, but Jesus, like, you give them something to eat. We're like, oh, what are we going to do? There's a little boy over here. Let's go steal his lunch. I think he has two fish and five loaves of bread. And actually the disciples ask and they go looking for food. In another account of the gospel, they actually get the five loaves of bread and the two fish from a little boy. So the disciples are now taking food from a little boy to feed 20,000 plus people. And it's just a crazy situation. And I just think that if we could relate to the disciples, we would probably say we do relate to the disciples. They're like, I don't have enough to feed all these people. We need to send them away. They are not my problem. And I think we, when we talk about loving our neighbors as ourselves, and we think about all the people in Bellevue, all the people in the world, all the people in our neighborhoods, we're like, there's just too many people to love. Not, it's not my problem. the scriptures calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves and this is the mark of following jesus that we're called to know our neighbors to live them live by them and to love them but we send people away we do it when we just sneak into our garages we do it when we don't make time for them. We just say, not my problem. We send them away. I remember one time I was in this, this car accident. It was major. The car got totaled. There was the death of a deer. It was really an intense car accident. And uh, I was in college. I was about two hours away from my campus. And I call my buddy, and uh, he answers the phone. It's like midnight. He doesn't know what's happening. He's sleeping. He's groggy. He's tired. We are in the middle of nowhere in the country in Oklahoma. And uh, I call my friend. Maybe he can give us a ride. Maybe he can help us out. And I call him. He answers the phone. And I say, hey, I just got an accident. Can you help me out? I'm about two hours away from campus. He says, I'm sorry, man. Ah, That's such a bad situation. My heart goes out to you. I'm I'm sending you positive thoughts and everything. Like. (laughs) Like, God bless you. But, um, you know, that, that's just too far away. And uh, I just leased this car, and I can't, I can't put the miles on it. I'm sorry, man. And we, I mean, we're bleeding. <laughs> like, we, our car is total. We're so distraught. And so we don't know what to do. So we start calling everybody that we know from campus who has a car. And it wasn't all of us. This is in Bible school. And so we call this guy. Oddly enough, this guy's name is Jeshua which is another way of saying Jesus. So we're like, Yeshua. <laughs> and we call him up, and he, he answers the phone. We're like, thank you, Yeshua. We love you, Yeshua. And uh, he says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come get you. And we're like, yes, Yeshua, thank you, Yeshua. You you I was lost and you came, we were broken, and you came to our rescue. Thank you so much. We were destroyed, and you're restoring us. And he he drives two hours like at midnight as a college kid. And not only does he come to rescue us and pick us up, he brings us a box of donuts. And we're like, you bring me food, I love you forever. Yeshua, you brought me donuts. I love you. I worship Yeshua because of the work of lowercase j-y-yeshua. <laughs> and it was amazing. And he, he showed us his love by making himself available, by going out of the way and bringing us food. And it opened us up to whatever he had for us. And he said, can I pray for you? And we're like, yeah, you brought me food. You can pray for me. You can can dance for me. You can do whatever you want. Like, we love you. We thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, you know, where's my other friend? He was like, not my problem. And he sent, he kind of just dismissed us and sent us away. Yeshua. He came to us and brought us food and donuts. You know, I I just, I think I'm really convicted as I talk about loving our neighbors as ourselves. Because I I feel in our, our decisions and our actions and the fact that many of us still don't know who our neighbors are, let alone interacting with them or eating with them or breaking bread with them, doing something that's so human. When we love someone, we eat food with them. That is proof of us not loving our neighbors because we're not eating food with them. (laughs) And uh, I just think we, in our actions, are just sending people away, like the disciples say. Let someone else take care of them. And, you know, we're so passionate about thawing the Seattle freeze. But honestly, I believe that it's so easy for us to create the Seattle freeze every single day. The Seattle freeze is when you, you move somewhere new in Minnesota. We call it Minnesota nights. It's where you move somewhere and you just find it hard to make new friendships. And I don't, I don't think people intentionally create the Seattle freeze because they're trying to be malicious. I think it's, we fall in this habit of, oh, I need friends. I need friends. I need friends. I, oh, I found my friends. And so my heart's not open anymore. I don't have time for the friends I already have. So why would I try to be friends with anybody else? And so then we slowly box people out. And I I, I just think that if we truly believe what Jesus says about loving our neighbors as ourselves, we can't say not my problem when it comes to the the, the issues of our neighbors, their financial difficulties, their social difficulties, their health, health difficulties. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, our neighbors' problems are now ours. Okay? So if you are a follower of Jesus, guess what? Your neighbor's problems are yours because you love them as you love yourself if you are following the ways of Jesus. If you're not, hey, no pressure. You do you. You live your life. But if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, your neighbor's problems are your problems. And are you aware of it? Or do you simply send them away and hope nearby farmers or somebody else or some other Christian would do something? And I, I just find this super convicting. And we are called to be like Jesus who has compassion. You know, there's this quote, you know, Brene Brown, she has this great quote. Pastor Maritha shared a quote from Brene Brown. And I'm not going to let her out Brene Brown for me. So, all right, here's, here's a quote about compassion. Jesus had compassion. It says this, compassion is not a virtue. It is a commitment. It's not something we have or don't have. It's something we choose to practice. And if we're called to love our neighbors as ourselves, it's going to start with compassion. And that means we choose to practice caring for our neighbors and loving them as we love ourselves. And this is the heart of Jesus, man. He has compassion. Jesus sees you. He loves you. He sees your neighbors. He loves them. He knows that one in five kids in Bellevue qualify for free or reduced meals. Many of them aren't eating. Jesus has compassion for all the people who have immigrated here and don't have friends, don't have community. I mean, just this week, I've met four people who didn't know anybody They just moved here, didn't have any friends, and Jesus has compassion on them. He loves them. He doesn't say, send them away. He says, these are my people. This is my problem. They're like sheep without shepherds. Oh, how I would long to shepherd them and love them. That is our God, a God of love. And he doesn't see people as a burden. He sees people as vessels worthy of his love. And I pray that we as Kalos Church would have the eyes of Jesus when it comes to our neighbors. Amen. And then Jesus, what does he do? He has the disciples place people in groups. He says then in 39, then the disciples told Jesus to have the people sit down in groups. Jesus told them to put them in groups. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And uh, I I just think this is incredible. Jesus, as they say, someone should feed them. Jesus says, you feed them. And then the disciples say, with what? And I, I think it's just amazing that Jesus... He, he asked the disciples what they had. Have. have you ever noticed in your faith walk or in your journey, Jesus doesn't really ask you what you need. He typically asks you, what do you have? <laughs> and I think that's the same with our lives as it is in the disciples. He doesn't ask them what they need. He asks them, what do you have? And so they, they looked, and then they took a step of faith. They hadn't gotten food yet. There's no miracle from heaven that happened. And so Jesus says, put all these people, 20 to 25,000 people, put them in groups of 50 or 100. And if you're a disciple, I mean, I'm scared. Have you guys ever tried to organize large groups and try to get them to do anything spur of the moment? Imagine trying to grab, gather 25,000 people and say, hey, I know you guys are hungry. I'm going to put you guys into groups of 50 right now, okay? Nobody freak out. What, do you have food? Uh, no. But just, just sit down. Come on, it's cool. The grass is so green. Just sit, just sit down. Just sit. Do you have any food? No. Well, I, I stole a lunch from a little kid. But you don't, you don't have enough food for twenty to 25,000 people? No, no, I don't. And Jesus asked the disciples to do something that didn't make sense. He asked them to step out in faith, to simply do what they could with what they had. You know, as we're trying to love our neighbors, I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a lot of awkwardness. There's going to be a lot of moments where you don't know what to do. There's going to be a lot of moments where you feel like you're just stepping out in faith. Okay, I'm just going to knock on all these doors in my complex. I don't know if I'm going to get kicked out. I don't know if it's going to be awkward, but hey, Jesus, I'm going to do what I can do. I have, I have a hand, and so I'm going to knock on these doors. I'm going to sit in front of my house. I'm just going to sit there with a the chair with a sign that says, hey, I would like to meet you. Or, hey, I have some free lemonade. Would you like to have some Or bottles of water? I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to use what I have to accomplish what Jesus wants to see done. And it's a step of faith. It's just as simple as saying, hey, I want to be a good neighbor. I eat. You eat. Let's eat together. I'm stepping out in faith. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work. And, you know, we're launching small groups, actually, starting this week. And we have some small group leaders in this place. If you go to Kalos at groups, we have some small group leaders in here who would say, uh, Pretty ben, I, I should not be a small group leader. Like, I don't... I'm not as spiritual as some people. I don't know the Bible as well as other people. I feel very insecure. I'm not a perfect Christian. I mess up a lot. Like, I don't know if I should be a small group leader. But I, I, I think that's awesome. I think that's what Jesus exactly wants us to do is to step out in faith. Like, hey, there's a lot of things I don't have, but Jesus, what I do have, I'm going to use it to advance your kingdom. Isn't that beautiful what these disciples ended up doing and stepping out in faith? And isn't it amazing that even our small group leaders at Kalos... They're saying, hey, Jesus, like, I have an apartment. I have some time. I have a hobby. I'm going to use it. You know, like, like Jake over here, he's leading the Game and Gain small group. And so I'm assuming it's either gambling or weightlifting while playing games. So Game and Gains is called, <laughs> just kidding. But anyways, you've never led a small group like this before. And I just, I just think it's so amazing that you're saying, God, hey, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm gonna use what I have to make a safe place for people to find love and community and experience the beauty of Jesus. Can we give it up for Jake? I mean, I just think that's so amazing. And so many small group leaders here like that. And uh, you know, we are called to use what we have. And Jesus takes this bread and he breaks it. And when we step out in faith, and we make things happen. Honestly, sometimes we get broken before we see the blessing. Amen. <laughs> you know, Jesus takes this bread. He breaks it. And then he blesses it. And it multiplies and it feeds so many people. And I, I just think this is so incredible. He starts small. And uh, I wanted to say this right. It says, you know, brokenness, I, not just brokenness. I also, also wrote... Brokenness precedes the blessing. Some of you are saying, I'm broke. Well, so was the bread. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was funny. All right. <laughs> so then the bread is broken. The disciples step out in faith. And we're kind of thinking that the miracle is going to happen in the hands of the master Jesus. But the scriptures clearly say... That Jesus in 41 took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. And so we oftentimes, God. I pray, would you just do something supernaturally? Would you do something like miraculous? Would you help my neighbors? Would you just randomly give them money? Would you just randomly give them a community? We want God to just take care of everything. But whereas the disciples were trying to feed the people, the miracle didn't happen in the master's hands. The miracle happened in the disciples' hands. And as we step out in faith, I believe that God, as you use your hands to bless people, as you use your hands to share a meal with someone, as you use your hands to feed people, you're going to find that there are miracles that begin to happen. People begin to open up their hearts. People begin to open up their lives. And that's why, as we're talking about how human it is to feed people, I want to challenge us, Kalos Church. Would you you feed your neighbor? Would you feed thy neighbor as yourself? Would you love your neighbor? We... Feed those we love. And so is it a safe assumption to say that if you're not feeding your neighbor, you don't love them? We feed those we love, our families, our friends. If we love someone, eventually we're going to share a meal with them. And I I just want to challenge us that as we get past our insecurities as we're moved with compassion like Jesus says, as we allow ourselves to be broken and vulnerable as we embrace the awkwardness and we take that step of faith to start a relationship with our neighborhood, with a a meal, with a breakfast, with a coffee, with something, I believe that God is going to start doing miracles in your hands as you make your life your mission. You know, Kalos Church started with meals in coffee shops, with meals in backyards. I mean, we had baptisms uh, two weeks ago. A lot of those relationships started over meals. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know whose life you're going to change because of a meal. I mean, a food, a fork, and a knife could change someone's life. Think about it. It rhymes. A fork and a knife could change someone's life. You know, a uh, yeah, uh, so corny. Let me look at Moses right now for the pun. <laughs> no smile. <laughs> Moses does not like puns. So it makes me want to say more puns in his general direction. <laughs> I love it. You know, I, I want to I close with this story. Uh, you know, I, as a young kid, my, my parents uh, recently divorced. And we're going through just, you know, figuring out how we're going to live as a family, our new normal. And I remember I was about 11 years old. in my neighborhood, and my my parents were just having a hard time, like, figuring out what to do. They had me live with my mom, and so it was just me and my mom in this big house living together, and my mom didn't have a job. Our house was about to be foreclosed upon, and she was just having a hard time taking care of me. I was an 11-year-old, wild child, just a a young boy in that house, and so in the mornings before school, my mom would uh, have me go to one of our neighbors' house, and she would just actually feed me breakfast. And make sure I had a solid meal before I was going to school. So I would go to my my neighbor's house. Her name was Sherry. And she was just a good neighbor. There's nothing really in it for her. She just made herself available to care for me. Go there week after week, day after day, just eating breakfast. We would talk. I mean, I, I wasn't like the most pleasant child. I was rebellious. I was very selfish. I was messy. But she consistently just fed me. And then one day in the morning, uh, I found my mom. She was on the ground, passed out with pills all around her. And she had overdosed on pills. And uh, as an 11-year-old, what do you do? Like, I, I don't know the protocol. I don't know the etiquette. I don't, like, I, is my mom dead? Is she alive? Like, how do, how do I handle this? I'm just 11 years old. And the only thing I could think of to do in that moment was to call my neighbor. I called her because... She had made herself available through food, day in and day out, week in, and we I kind of called her. She's a young 11-year-old boy. I'm so, like, hey, Sherry, I, I'm sorry to call I don't know if my mom is dead. I don't, like, I don't know what's going on. There's pills all around her. She's in her bedroom. I, I'm shaking her, nothing's working. And she, she just said, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. And she, she came over to our house. She, she called 911, and then the police came. And I, didn't, I didn't know how to talk to them. It's just my mom. Like, I didn't know how to talk to them. And she, she handled all the details. She explained to the police what was going on. And as the ambulance took her away, she was there comforting me. And it, it just all started from food. And I, I, just, I just really am convicted. And I, I'm praying that we could be like Jesus, that we could have compassion on the neighbors around us. That we want not just send them away and say, it's not my problem. I got my own problems. I'm too busy. Then we say, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to take care of them. And if food opens the doors for miracles, if food opens the door for hearts, if food opens it up for an opportunity for me to take care of an 11-year-old boy who's trying to figure out how to deal with his mom's overdose issue right now, I will use that to love my neighbor. And that's my prayer for us, Kalos Church. Can we be that kind of people that actually knows our neighbors and actually loves them? Food opens the door to love. And I'm so thankful that Sherry fed me and helped me in a great tragedy in my life. It's very simply, Kalos. I want to challenge you with this. This next week or this summer, would you share a meal with someone? Your neighbor a small group, or even at this June 10th summer party we have next week on a Sunday night, will you share a meal with someone intentionally as a way of saying, I love you. I've got your back. I will be there for you. Let's pray. Father, I I just thank you so much for what you're doing in this place and in your scriptures. Lord, I, I pray that these scriptures will come alive in our hearts, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Oh, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us right now and we'd be open to your word, Lord, that whereas the disciples wanted to send people away, you said, give them something to eat. You had compassion on them. The disciples stepped out in faith. They didn't feel like they had everything they needed, but you still asked them to act. Lord, and then you multiplied a miracle in their hands. Lord, I pray that you'd use us to love our neighbors. Lord, we realize that we might be the answer to our neighbor's prayers. Lord, I pray that you would help us to love them in tangible and practical ways, we pray, Lord. If you're saying in this place that you're you're wanting to love your neighbor like Jesus would want you to love them, would you just nod your heads? You're saying, Jesus, use me. Use me to love my neighbors. Share a meal with someone, Kilos.